And so we would like to know that you're coming so we can make sure to have some food for you. Um, Otherwise, uh, make plans to be there. It's going to be a good time. Um, This morning, we're jumping back into our Day 41 series. This is where we've talked about how after 40 days... There's always that day of transition, that day of moving on. And that 40 days may not be a literal 40 actual days, but it may be metaphorical for a time of suffering, a time of trial, a time of of hardship in our lives. And how do we move on from that? How do we step out in faith and move on to the next phase? And this morning I want to talk a little bit about fear. There are a lot of fears that we all face. A lot of different names for these fears. I got a couple of them this morning. Palatophobia. Um, Anybody want to take a guess at that? But no, no Google, no Google. Palatophobia. Some of you are experiencing that. It's fear of bald people. Um, (laughs) Calm down. I'm not going to hurt you. Um, This one affects some of our Sam Sam uh, Sam Houston graduates. Uh, Porphyrophobia. That's fear of the color purple. Um, Some of y'all won't wear that. I understand that. Uh, levophobia is fear of objects on the left side of your body, whereas dextrophobia is fear of objects on the right side of your body. Um, let's see, we're right now experiencing caliprophobia, that's fear of obscure meanings. Um, some of you are experiencing thalassophobia, that's fear of being seated. Uh, there is finally uh, stab. I'm not even trying that one. Stabis, stab, stabisophobe, stabis, I think that's a, that's a typo because there's no way. I can't even say that. That's supposed to be the fear of standing and walking. Um, and, and then phobophobia, of course, is the fear of being afraid. Um, we could go on and on and on and on and on. Literally, there is a, that is a rabbit trail that never ends. And, and it's interesting because what we fear is not always realistic. We understand that our fears may not always be logical. For example, a lot of people are afraid to fly, right? I'm not going to make you raise your hand. If you're afraid to fly, you have a .00001% chance of dying in an airplane crash. I'm not going to read that. I don't know how to read that numerically. Mathematicians, y'all can help me out. On the other hand, the insurance industry estimates the average driver will be involved in three to four car crashes in their lifetime. Um, are, are some, of, some of us are afraid of heights, right? Are you afraid of heights? Some of y'all are freaking out on that picture right there. Are you afraid of heights? Uh, it's the second most reported fear. Um, your chance of being injured by falling, jumping, or being pushed from a high place is 1 in 65,000, whereas the chance of having your identity stolen online is 1 in 200. You see how our fears are, may not always line up um, what about uh, storms? Some people are uh, afraid of being killed by a bolt of lightning. The odds of that happening are 1 in 2.3 million. Um, you'd be better fearing a meteorite. Uh, the lifetime odds of those are being struck by a meteorite is 1 in 700,000. So there's more chance of that than, than the other. Um, dogs, some people are scared of dog bites. Uh, the, the chance of suffering a dog bite is 1 in 137,000. On the other hand, your chance of being injured by a lawnmower is 1 in 3,000. That's why I pay a yard guy. Um, What about sharks, right? That's been in the news a lot lately, right? The the shark attack in Sydney. Uh, You're much more likely uh, to be killed by your spouse, 1 in 135,000, than by a shark, 1 in 300 million. How did we get here? 
How did we get to a place where we're so scared of everything? Um, there's studies that show uh, where they looked at uh, students uh, in, in the, the 1940s and 50s, and, and they, they charted how far those students wandered from home. And, and some of those kids wandered like all over the whole town. Some of y'all remember that. Then they did it again with those people's, well, grandkids now, and, and they're barely allowed to leave the yard. And, and because we're afraid of everything. How do we get so afraid of everything? One reason is because of our media consumption, specifically news. Uh, the news media capitalizes and promotes our fear. News, there was a time, some of us remember, when the news uh, just was reported. They would just tell you what happened and, and leave it at that. And, and they worried about being factual and accurate. Nowadays, it's not that. Nowadays, we are worried about what can be the most sensational. What is going to drive viewership? What's going to keep you coming back? And the best way to do that, they found, is fear. And you can see it in your local news. What additive is in your drinking water? Check in at 10 to find out. Yeah, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Or, or it's in, I, I got a friend who was, uh, uh, worked at UTMB in Galveston, and their rooftop is one of the favorite places of weather people when there's a hurricane coming in. And he tells this story about some hurricane, I don't remember which one it was, but they were up waiting for a helicopter to land, him and some of his coworkers, and they're actually throwing a football back and forth. That's how calm it is. But, but, on the other side of the building, there's one of these weather reporters up there holding on. I'm here in Galveston, and the wind is picking up. And, and it's like he said, we wanted to walk behind her and just be tossing the football up. But it's so sensationalized because we got to make a big deal out of it so that you'll keep checking back. They want to drive that fear. Um, that, that's, that's what gets us coming back. That's what gets our attention. It, it's, a, it's a natural instinct. Things that we're afraid of are things that are dangerous or things that may hurt us. And so we pay more attention to those than things we're not afraid of. So we, we end up, though, because of this, being a society that's more fearful than ever before. And, and because of that, we end up being a society that's, that's more angry and, 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 and more snarky and more attacking one another. It's like the dog, you know, you've always heard the adage that, that the scared dog bites. And, and we're a, a society of scared dogs now snapping and biting at each other because we're so fearful. But what about spiritually? How does that play into our spiritual lives? How does that affect our spiritual life, our walk with God? Maybe even, how does that affect the day 41? As, as we're trying to move out of this place of fear and, and of suffering, how does our fears impact that? Well, in a lot of ways, fear can look like rebellion. Now, hang on with me. Chew on that for just a minute because I know that's a provocative statement. But fear can look like rebellion. I know that our brains, we start making excuses. Well, what about this? What about that? What about fear of God? What about, and you know, we're supposed to have this kind of fear and that kind, and some kind of fears are healthy. I understand that. And fear in itself is not sinful. However, when we act or react out of fear, when we make decisions out of fear instead of faith, it can put us in a place of rebellion. 
For our next day, 41, we're going to be in the book of Numbers. If you have your Bibles, Numbers is, is where we're going to be. Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to start. And in the book of Numbers, the Israelites have finally come to the edge of the promised land. They have been taken out of Egypt. They have gone into the wilderness. They met God on Sinai. They were given the the law, and and they were led through the wilderness. They finally come to the, the edge of the Jordan River, about to enter the promised land of God. And Moses sends out some spies. Uh, really they're scouts because you know, later when they're going to send spies, they send a couple of people secretively. These are not, these are not like that. These are, are 12 of, of elders, leaders from every tribe. You don't send the leaders of tribes on a spy mission. This is more of a scouting party that's going to, to, to look at and report back on the bountiful blessings in this land that God has promised to them. And so they send out this scouting party, and this scouting party goes into the promised land, into Canaan, and they're gone for 40 days because it's a big place. It's some 250 miles that they travel, and and there's a lot to see there. And, and so as they make their way through, they're documenting all this stuff. They're making this report, and they finally come back some six weeks later. And they present this report first to Moses and Aaron and then to, to all the leaders. Uh, this is not the whole people. It's just the, the, the leaders of the Israelites. And, and so they get back and, and they start talking about what they found. And at first they're very positive. Hey, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that's a euphemism. It means it's very fertile. It means that there's, there's a lot of good land here. This is a good place. They said, uh, we found grapes that, that we had to carry between the two of us on some sticks. Now, I think some of that's hyperbole. I think some of that is like you and I, we'd be like, man, they had watermelons as big as a house. That, that's kind of the, the, the kind of thing that's happening here. But either way, they're telling about what they saw. They also saw something called uh, the, the, the Anakites. The Anakites are, are a race of very large people. Uh, giants is what they're called. Um, they end up taking it even further and compare them to the Nephilim and the Rephilim. These were uh, uh, way back in, in the beginning, uh, these freakishly alien uh, giants. And, and that's a whole other story I don't want us to get off on. But... They're making them into something bigger than they are. I mean, to the point that they say, we even look like grasshoppers compared to these guys. And so you see how they're getting really carried away with this hyperbole here. And, and it's, it's just so fearful. And they keep telling all these stories. We came to the land where you sent us. That's how they start. They're already distancing themselves from this promise of God. This is not what God promised us. This is a place where you, Moses, sent us to go. And, and they start separating themselves from this. There's, there's all these people here. There's, there's the Amalekites, uh, who are the, the wanderers of the desert region. There's, there's the Hittites, which are a, a highly advanced uh, civilization. And, and there's the Jebusites, who are the, the builders of, of Jerusalem. The Amorites, probably Abraham's original tribe, who were a very fierce group of warriors. And, and as they get to telling this story, it just gets bigger and bigger. There's these giants, and there's all this giant stuff, and, and, and we look like grasshoppers, and it's just a hopeless situation. There's no way 
we can win this. And, and here's the problem. The scouts and the elders, when they're telling this story, are not in rebellion against Moses. They're not in rebellion against Aaron. They're in rebellion against God. Because God didn't say, you can have this land if. There's no caveats there. God's already promised them the land. This is going to be yours. And none of that stuff should have prevented that promise. Too often, I think, we get into the same place. We look at things and, and, and we get afraid because it may be hard, it may be scary, it may be different, it may be new, and, and we, we end up being like these 12 scouts because it, it's all about what lens you see it through. As you read this story, 10 of these leaders looked through a lens of fear. They saw things they should be afraid of. They saw warring tribes, they saw giants, they saw cities with, with, with 50 foot high walls, and, and they were afraid. And you have two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who look through lenses not of fear, but of faith. And they try to talk them down, and they say, hey, y'all got to calm down. It's not like that. Our God is bigger than any of this stuff. I mean, these people have watched seas part. They, they've watched all these miraculous things happen, and they're still afraid. We look at them and we judge them, but the truth is we act the same way a lot of times. This same scenario is playing out in churches everywhere right now, that, that there are people who are looking at the world around them through a lens of fear. And, and these are people who are in leadership roles. I'm not just talking about elders as in the official elders of the church. I'm talking about the leaders of churches, whether they be in an office or outside of an office, who are looking at the world around them in fear, and they are afraid to step out in faith. And the problem is that fear, that fear, just like in Numbers, is keeping a generation from the promise of God. Now that's serious. When we make decisions in fear, when we look at the world and respond in fear instead of faith, it looks a lot like rebellion. Numbers chapter 14, after this report, verse 1, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Day 41 should be a day of blessing. It should be a day of new beginning. It should be a day of stepping out in faith. But too many times it can become a day of fear, of something different, of something that's not the way it's always been. And we look at that and we recoil back and we say, no, 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 no. I want to go back to what I know because it's safe. Several generations ago, um, 
during one of the most turbulent desert wars in the Middle East, there was a spy captured and sentenced to death by a general of the Persian army. The general, a man of intelligence, had adopted a strange and unusual custom. He permitted the condemned person to make a choice. The person could either face the firing squad or they could go through the black door. They could choose the firing squad or they could choose the black door. As the moment of execution drew near, the general ordered the spy to be brought before him and he would ask them the question, what will it be, the firing squad or the black door? It was not an easy decision. The prisoners would hesitate, they would fumble, but soon they would take the firing squad rather than what unknown horrors might be behind the black door. The general would turn to his aide and say, you see how it is with men. They always prefer the known to the unknown. What lies behind the black door, asked the aide. Freedom, replied the general, and I've only known a few brave enough to actually choose it. It's easy in our 40 days to become fearful. It's easy for us to feel like there's no way out, there's no hope, there's no salvation to be had. We get into this, this rhythm, we get into this place, and, and it's easier to stay here. It's easier to sit there. But when we react in fear, when we decide in fear, when we make decisions out of fear, we are acting in faithlessness. And that's rebellion. It's a harsh statement, I know. But it's nonetheless true. When we make decisions out of fear, when we respond in fear instead of in faith, when we refuse to believe God, when we refuse to trust in the promises of God, when, when I feel like I have to do this myself, I'm reacting in fear instead of in faith. I go back to what I know. That's, it's happening all over. It, it, it happens in churches all the time. And, and we get people who want to be caretakers and who want to be gatekeepers. And, and they say, we've got to keep the church exactly the way it was. There can't be anything different. If it's not the way it was when I was a kid, it must be wrong. And so we're going to take this thing that God gave us and we're going to hold on to it so that when he returns, we can say, here you go, Lord, here's your church, just like you gave it to me. And I'm sorry, but that sounds a lot like a parable Jesus told. And let me remind you how that ended. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be more given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Day 41 has to be about faith. It has to be about believing God's promise that, that this is not all there is that there's more to this, that he has more in store for us than this. And when I choose to stay in that place, when I choose to, to, to hide out and, and to hold on to that which I've known rather than the unknown, when I choose to stay put instead of stepping out in faith, I am acting in faithlessness and rebellion to God. It's time to trust God's promise. 
If you're in a place this morning and, and you've been in that place, you've been in that day 41, you're, you're in that 40 days of struggle, you're in that storm, and, and whatever it is, I don't know what your storm is, but it doesn't matter. For you to step out of that, you've got to trust that your God is bigger than whatever that is. Whatever giants it is, whatever uh, forces that are stacked against you, whatever fears that are plaguing you and keeping you from making that step, God is bigger than that. And we have to look at it through a lens of faith instead of through a lens of fear. Day 41 is about stepping out in faith and moving on into the promise of God. This morning, if you haven't done that, this is the time. We're going to have a song, and when we sing this song, it's an opportunity for you to respond. And, and, and whether you do that publicly or privately doesn't really matter. You need to respond to God, not to us, not to the church, not to me, not to any person. You need to respond to God. And, and you need to say, God, I want to trust you. I want to trust your promises. I want to step out in faith. I'm tired of sitting here doing the same thing, the same ways, over and over, expecting a different result. It's time to step out in faith, to hold on to the promises of God. If we can help you with that this morning, whether it's through baptism and helping you become a member of Christ's church, becoming part of the body of Christ, or whether it's through lifting you up in prayer, we want to do that. And so I encourage you, take the step, step out in faith. Won't you come right now while together we stand and sing?